Thank you, Marie, and thank you all for praying, and let's all continue to be prayers uh, in and through everything that's going on. Uh, For any of you who are maybe brand new today, my name is Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a joy to be together today. I want to welcome everybody online. Thank you for joining us, and um, always wonderful um, to pray, worship, and study the Scriptures together. Uh, My wife, Josie, and I have four boys, Parker, Cohen, Brooks, and Smith and Associates, and our little law firm. Um, They they know how to eat. uh, My youngest is almost 13, a week away from 13, two weeks away from 13, 13, 15, 17, 19. So Josie goes to Costco or Sam's twice a month. Uh, We have four meals in our house, uh, not including snacks. And the last uh, meal of the day is called Second Dinner, uh, and, which can be a little discouraging to Jossie sometimes because, you know, made the dinner and all that. And then a couple hours later, it's like busted all back out again. And uh, so, so I, we, we, we know a little bit about hunger and thirst in our house. And today we're studying through and continuing our study through the Beatitudes and coming to the Beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the fourth of the eight Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus is blessing those who are hungry and thirsty. Now this, this word blessed, kind of a religious word, or at least oftentimes brings up or feels religious. And so we're using the word lucky, the title of this little series around the Beatitudes, and not just like random chance, I won the lottery, kind of lucky, but more like, like, like a state of being or happy. Happy not because of happenings, but be, regardless of happenings. I'm happy no matter what. It's a, it's a condition of my soul. Now, when I think of happy are the hungry and thirsty, I think I should have been hangry are the hungry and thirsty. That's how usually I am. Uh, but this hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about is not like a need a little snack to hold you over. Could I have some trail mix, please? This is a, an intensity that he's referring to, and it's, it's, a, it's an intensity that's related to living or dying. In the crowd that Jesus is talking to on the mountainside on the Sea of Galilee, where he's preaching this sermon, there likely would have been in his audience uh, people that were legitimately hungry. Not just, oh, I like a little snack, but had maybe gone a time without food. There was starvation in the first century, even amongst Jewish people, because of the oppression of the Romans, the heavy taxation. And so, their ears would have perked up when he was talking about hungry and thirsty and the fact that they would be satisfied which is a a way of describing those will be filled. You'll be satisfied. Now, it's interesting that in these Beatitudes that we've been talking about up to this point, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. We talked about that last week. It talks about who you are. You either are meek or you're not. But in this one, everybody can relate to hungry and thirsty. So the uniqueness of this particular Beatitude is the object, the object of our hunger and thirst. And so what Jesus is saying is, 
If I don't get righteousness, I will die. Which is a really, if that's the way that we feel, it's a, it's a sign that the kingdom of God has broken into our lives. But I think that it also presents us with a really confronting question. And that is, do I desire righteousness with the same intensity that a starving person desires food? It's the question behind the beatitude. Now, the cultural beatitude, we have ways that our culture would address the different things that we've been talking about. And the cultural beatitude is hunger and thirst for happiness and satisfaction. And maybe be self-righteous against those who don't do what you want them to do. So, if you can just find the right relationship, if you can, you, you know, I, I just, if I, could, if I could be married, if I could find the right guy, if I could find the right girl, if I can get the right title, if I can get the right letters before or after my name, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll have enough. Then I'll be enough. If I can just have this much money, if I can just buy this, if I can, if I can, if I can get my kids through college, if I can get my kids, if they're okay, I'm okay. Then I'll be satisfied. If I can get approval, if I can get the right picture and the right amounts of likes, if I can have this sort of success, if I can get these types of grades, or if I can graduate with this degree or with these honors, then I'll be satisfied. Or a popular one in our culture, experiences. If I can just get the right experience, then I will experience the right amount of satisfaction. Looks like travel, looks like food, looks like atmosphere. But what Jesus is suggesting is that if that's it for us, to be satisfied with the world is to have a malnourished soul. Or as C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, his book, he says, Our desire is not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says, we are far too easily pleased. Or like my friend Marcus, did you notice Marcus up here uh, playing, playing two instruments at once at one point, by the way? <laughs> I was like, wow, I mean, I can't even do one. You're doing two at the same time. Marcus over here has an interesting um, appetite. He loves roller dogs. Roller dogs, for any of you who are unfamiliar, you ever go to a gas station and you see the hot dog on a roller? That's a roller dog. He loves them to each his own. Imagine if Callie, his wife, uh, were to have said, Marcus, I'm preparing a meal for us tonight. We're going to have steak. It's going to be amazing. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. But on his way home from work, he decides, pulling off at 7-Eleven, going to get some roller dogs. <laughs> and he comes home, and Callie's like, are you ready? And he's like, oh, actually, I'm pretty full. I just stopped off at Sev and... And I just, man, those roller dogs. 
I wonder if we're like that sometimes. Or in the words of Jim Carrey, the actor, I wish everybody would get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that it's not the answer. Or Jesus says it in Luke chapter 6. He says, Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. It's like the opposite of what he's describing. Now, when he says filled, for you will be filled, it's not like a, oh, that tied me over kind of filling. It's a, he's talking about like stuffed, like totally stuffed to the point of complete satisfaction. But he's not only talking about like being satisfied with that was a wonderful meal and I'm full. He's talking about an ongoing, not temporary, but permanent satisfaction. So, so if the object is righteousness and that's what this is all about, we have to ask the question, what is righteousness? What's he talking about when he says that we're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness? This idea of righteousness actually is one of the major topics in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says later in, in Matthew 6, the next chapter, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He later in chapter 5 talks about the righteousness of the Pharisees. And so we'll be unpacking those ideas in greater depth in the weeks and months to come as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount. But, but Jesus is talking about righteousness, and we oftentimes think of, oh, that's like, you know, that, uh, you know, holier than thou. Somebody who just somehow does all the right things. And there's an element of that, but at the end of the day, it's bigger than that. It's about justice and things being right. Not just doing the right thing, but right thing, but things being right. And we are hardwired to desire righteousness. Think about little kids, and even adults for that matter. When something doesn't go right, what do we say? That's not fair. What are we saying? That's not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. When God created the world in Genesis chapter 1, everything was as it was supposed to be. Everything was right. In Genesis 3, sin is entered in, enters into the world and things are broken. And what was properly ordered now is disordered, including our desires. Sin disordered our desires. And so now instead of desiring everything in God's loving order, we now might desire something out of order. Might look like desiring sex as the ultimate thing. A relationship is the ultimate thing. Finances is the ultimate thing. Instead of seeking and finding full satisfaction where it's supposed to be, we seek it in comfort or wealth, fame, or pleasure. But Jesus comes into the world not just to preach a sermon about an idea, but to live and embody that which He teaches. And He goes to the cross in order to break the power of sin so that our appetites might be reformed and put into proper order. And Jesus then comes out of the grave communicating that death has been defeated and one day the whole world will one day be right again. So Jesus reforms our appetites. 
not just for doing the right thing. See, righteousness and justice isn't just doing the right thing. If it was, then the Beatitudes would just be another list of to-dos. I, I like how, how Dallas Willard says it in The Divine Conspiracy, the book that he wrote. He says, the Beatitudes simply cannot be good news if they are understood as a set of how-tos for achieving blessedness. They would then only amount to a new legalism, which is exactly what Jesus confronts the Pharisees about, who cared immensely about righteousness. So the Pharisees were overly concerned and exceptionally concerned with righteousness and defining it. So the questions they were asking is, who's in, who's out, and how do we know? And if we make it only about doing the right thing, that's where we end up. But Jesus, when He talks about righteousness, has a relational component mixed in to what He's talking about. Meaning that righteousness is about relational integrity and relational wholeness. Properly ordered relationships. Not first about living a moral code, but about living in faithfulness to the terms of a relationship. So think of maybe the most famous moral code that we can think of, the Ten Commandments, found in the Old Testament, given to the children of Israel. And so we might think, oh, that's just a list of, a list of rules from God. But it's important to highlight and notice how they are first stated. Before the first commandment, it says, I am your God and you are my people. He establishes the fact that there's a relationship and out of the relationship, here are some ways to reflect that relationship. It starts in relationship. Scripture actually instructs us on relationships with four, in four ways and to have righteousness in those relationships. Scripture instructs right relationship with God, creation, ourselves, and others. That's what he's encouraging us to live into. Therefore, unrighteousness is grievous, not because, of code of, because a code of ethics has been violated, but because a relationship hasn't been taken seriously. Think of a marriage. My wife, Jossie, and I will be married 27 years this summer. Thank you very much. And so we entered into covenant, walked down an aisle, com committed our lives to one another, which means that there are terms to that relationship. There's not just a list of rules. So if there's a violation of that covenant, it is grievous not just because you violated the, one of us violated the rule, it's grievous because we didn't honor the relationship that we have. And the same thing is true with us, God, creation, ourselves, and others. Now, I've heard Christians say before, like, it isn't necessary to follow God's way because, because I'm in good relationship with God. Like, God loves me anyway. And it is true, God loves us no matter what. God chases us and is relentless in His pursuit and love for us. And He meets us exactly where we are. But I think we've got it backwards if that's the way that we think. It's because we're in relationship with God that we will want to follow His ways. So we say, God, I know you, I love you, and therefore I care about what you have to say about sex and sexuality. 
You have something to say about money and generosity. And in a world and an age in which we don't ever want to feel bad, we don't ever want to do something that somehow doesn't feel good to us, because if it doesn't feel good, then somehow I must not be true to myself. But the reality is, is, is we, we think, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. But to be, hypocrisy is not, not being true to our emotions. It's about not being true to our convictions. And God is calling us to be true to the conviction of our relationship, which means, ah, oh, man, I really want to go do this, but God, you have something to say about the boundaries of sexuality in my life. I don't, I, I really want to spend my money in this way, but you have something to say about that. And, and even if it's going to be hard, even if it's not something that I feel like doing, I, God, I, I, I want to honor you. I love you. And, I, and actually, I trust you. I trust that, that you know. I trust that you, you give me those boundaries and those, those things because of the relationship we're in and you want the best for me. And so I I want to say yes to those things because, because I trust that they're for my good and for your glory. In this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is not just about intensity, but actually also about totality. I'm going to nerd out with, on you just for a moment if I can. I'm kind of a grammar nerd, so I love the Oxford comma, and I don't like ending a sentence with a, pre, uh, with a preposition and all those types of things. And so, um, ask my staff. And so, so, so but I'm going to really nerd out on here. Um, there's, in, this, in this description and the way that Jesus is, is saying that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, it can be understood in a couple of ways. So if somebody were to say, I'm hungry, could you pass the bread at the dinner table or something like that? And they pass the loaf of bread. What are you actually asking for? You're asking for a part of the bread. You're asking for a slice, not the whole thing. So it's a a partitive, is what it's called, request. Jesus is saying that we're not hungering partially, but it's actually in what is known as the accusative which means all. So you'd be saying, can you pass the entire loaf because I'm going to eat the whole thing? Could you pass the pitcher of water? Not because I need to fill my glass. I'm going to drink the whole pitcher. So Jesus is saying, I, you are, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness in its totality, not just a degree of righteousness, but all of it. Which means that we do not have the liberty to pick and choose. To say, you know... I'll offer God my, my, my Sunday mornings, but He can't have all the week. You know what? I'll, I'll offer God my finances, but not my relationships. I'll take care of that. You know what? I'll honor God by honoring my parents, but I, I'm not really interested in honoring the Sabbath. I, I, I'll, I'll honor God with, with my time, and I'll be generous with my finances, but, but I'll determine what I'll watch and how often I'll watch and what I'll binge on. It's not a pick and choose. It's in everything. Which begs the question, 
Is there something in your life that you need to bring into right relationship? Is there something that needs to be done in order to reflect the totality of our hunger and thirst for God and His ways? See, the Beatitudes aren't just a a big, nice idea that God wants us to like. It's not just something that He wants us to like somehow like get our heads around and, 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 oh yeah, I love that. He actually is interested in us living them out and embodying them. Jesus is calling for His followers to do something with what He's saying. Which means, is there an app you need to delete off your phone? Or a phone number that needs to be deleted? you know that number? Or maybe a, a site that needs to get blocked or somebody that you need to bring into your life for accountability? Is there a place you need to never go again? Is there maybe not... Maybe it's not about something that needs to be deleted or something that needs to be blocked, but maybe it's something going on in your heart. Like, he, you know, it's Lent. Lent started this last week and... Oftentimes throughout Lent, if you're unfamiliar, it's a time where you choose something to let go of or stop. Certainly falls into line with the message today. But maybe it's complaining. You know, what is it that somehow might be preventing the kingdom of God from taking greater root in my life? The Beatitudes aren't things that we strive for. They are reflections of the kingdom of God breaking into our lives. But at the same time, we also can help facilitate them breaking into our lives. You know, as opposed to like, well, I'm not going to do anything. I guess I just sit back and I just hope that I'll just do whatever I want, but I hope God brings, breaks in. So it's this tension between not about striving into do's and how-to's and it becoming legalism, but it is about saying, God, I... I I want to embrace your kingdom, which means that you are king, which means I'm not. In this beatitude, as is true in many of the beatitudes, actually six of the eight, it says they will be filled, which means that it's future tense. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness means you will not be fully satisfied until Jesus comes back. Because it is when Jesus comes back that all things will be made right. All that is wrong and sad will be untrue. And so we will be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, as it talks about in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. And what a feast it will be and what a satisfying feast that will be. Which means that in the meantime, between now and then, in the already but not yet, we experience a sense of dissatisfaction, even in our hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I love what Peter Kreeft says in his book, For Heaven's Sake. Dissatisfaction is the second best thing there is, because it dissolves the glue that entraps us to false satisfactions and drives us to God, the only true satisfaction. Can we be satisfied today? Yes. Will all things be made right? Will we see justice in our world? 
Not fully. Not fully until Jesus returns, but we can be satisfied in Jesus. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus in John chapter 4 runs into a Samaritan woman at a well. And as he's talking to her at this well, she's pulling, drawing water. And and Jesus says, would you like some water that will make you never thirsty again? And she's like, of course. Where do I get that? He's referring to himself. And then they have this interaction. This interaction where Jesus tells her that, he says, go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're exactly right. You have had five, and now you're living with another man. In the context of what we're talking about, in the context of him talking about living water, I wonder if he isn't identifying where she's been trying to find her satisfaction up to this point. Where she's trying to get filled. Where she's trying to somehow meet that ache that says, I want things to be right. And I want that full-on satisfaction and filling. So the question for all of us today is, what am I feasting on? to be satisfied? What am I hungering and thirsting for to be satisfied? Jesus is the only one that will fully satisfy. What Jesus is encouraging here in this beatitude is to live in the posture of If I don't get righteousness, I will die. And Jesus says to us, to give you righteousness, I will die. And he did. He went to the cross, died because we could not save ourselves. In order to bring about the righteousness of God in us, To put our faith and trust in Him is not somehow to say, all right, I can do it this time. It's to trust in Jesus and His way and His righteousness in us. And the invitation to that righteousness and to the gift of righteousness to each one of us is an invitation to everyone. It's not to the ones who somehow feel righteous enough. It's not to the ones who somehow feel like they've got their lives put together enough. The invitation from the righteous one is to everyone. To be satisfied at the table of Jesus. There's no separate invitation for the messed up or the, I got a lot of things together. There's no separate invitation for the rich or the poor. There's no separate invitation for the black or the white. There's no separate invitation for the Republican or the Democrat. There's no separate invitation for the documented or the citizen or the undocumented. It is an open invitation for each and every one to say, come and feast and be fully satisfied in Jesus. And the invitation goes out to each one of us today. It goes to the unrighteous, to the self-righteous, 
goes out and says, come, feast and be satisfied. And for some of you here today, you might find yourself in a place where you say, never put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And I have tried to find satisfaction in so many other things. And even if they are temporarily satisfying, I am finding them not to be long-term satisfaction. That's you here today. Would you humbly and sincerely under your breath just say, God, I give you my life. In surrendering our lives to God, there is an exchange. We exchange our lives for God's. It's an unfair exchange because we offer ourselves and our unrighteousness and get the righteousness of Christ in us. It's a profound and an unfair exchange and we get the better end of that deal. If that's you here today, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, welcome home and welcome to the kingdom of God. For all of us, it's an invitation an invitation to ask ourselves, what am I hungering and thirsting after? Am I, am I, have I got some things out of order? Are my appetites in the right order? We would ask, what, what do I need to cut out? What are my cravings? What do I crave? We crave what we feed on. You eat a lot of sugar, you start to crave a lot of sugar. eat a lot of roller dogs and start to crave a lot of roller dogs. (laughs) For all of us, our weekly practice is what we've been doing these last several weeks, and that is to memorize the Beatitudes. So memorize with me this week, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not just so we know it, can quote it, but so we can meditate on it. Psalm chapter 1 talks about the righteous and the unrighteous. And you know what the difference is? The righteous meditate on the law of God. So let's meditate on it so that it can be integrated into our lives and then we live that which we have memorized. And finally, I just want to encourage all of us to have an outward focus The scripture says that we are blessed to be a blessing. So if we are blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. May we then also have an outward look that says, is there anybody with a hungry belly? Is there someone next next door across the street or across town or across the world who needs justice? Righteousness needs to come their way. And can I be a part of that? So let me pray for each one of us, wherever we find ourselves. God, we need you. We're desperate for you. We're desperate for your ways. We're desperate for your, your right, your rightness, your right relatedness. May we relate to you, relate to the world and creation, relate to each other and relate to ourselves in, a, in the properly ordered way, God. May it not just be about a to-do list, but it may it be about honoring the terms of a relationship in relationship with you and others. So Holy Spirit of God, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, 
and courage and empowerment from the Holy Spirit to not only hunger and thirst for righteousness, but be a blessing to those who need righteousness to invade their lives. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen.